This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind if you dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. You know, last night uh, actually started a story and never got through more than a couple of short, short paragraphs, sentences of it before we ended up going off on a tangent for the rest of the show, talking about the, the different types of activism going on up here in New Hampshire and, you know, what's more effective versus what's not. And the story originally was about a website that I have had in my show prep in my folder for show prep for years, and I've never done anything with it. It's It's been one of those rainy day show prep things where if for whatever reason I run out of show prep, which I don't know if I ever will because we just have so many listeners sending in show prep. But it's one of those things that I've just kind of had in the corner of my show prep folder for a long time. And it's a website called Government is Good. And I want to talk more about this site here and what William Anderson over at LouRockwell.com has uncovered about it because it's just too big of a site to actually try for me to spend time trying to boil down. He's got article after article after article on the site about how government is just great and that we need government. And I want to get back into that. But first, we need to go to the phones. Ladies first. Catherine is on the line calling from, I believe, Pennsylvania. Catherine, is, are you in Illinois or Pennsylvania? Where are you right now? I am in Illinois. We are in St. Charles, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. This is Catherine Bleich from the Ladies of Liberty Alliance at IamLola.org. And as my understanding, you guys are still selling the 2010 uh, Lola calendar, by the way, just as an aside. That's still for sale, right? Yes, absolutely. I've got some here at the Continental Congress, and several delegates have already bought some. We don't oh, good. have a booth set up, but I've been you know, walking around promoting it. So. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> so you are at the Continental Congress, and we talked with, um, with one of the, uh, the free staters that has uh, come down there from New Hampshire last week. Uh, William Kostrick is there as well, and he kind of gave us uh, his perspective on what's happening there. It's, <laughs> excuse me, it was my understanding that the We the People organization – has put together this meeting of people from the 48 contiguous states to get together and, I guess, once again send a redress for grievances to the federal government, even though they've been ignored time after time. And it's my understanding that apparently you guys are going to go maybe a little bit further and talk about some civic actions and stuff like that that could be taken, perhaps some civil disobedience, uh, instead of just begging the federal government for relief, which they just don't seem to care about that sort of thing. But what's been your perspective? What's been happening there from uh, from your viewpoint, Catherine? Well, I've been working very closely with William. It's been a wonderful process working with him. And trust me, he, you know, supports the... Uh, the uh, Free State Project, everyone he talks to, so know you guys are well represented down here. But um, we definitely have a split in the mindset of the folks here. You have what I see are sort of two generations, a generation of freedom fighters who have been in the fight for decades, who are worn out, who are exhausted, and who aren't as hopeful as we are. There are those of us who got involved in the past couple years, um, anywhere from five to two years ago, and we are finding strategies back home that are working. And we feel as if we could share them with other people, 
that we could start implementing successful tactics all over the country and basically take our country back from the bottom up through state sovereignty and through working with our local municipalities to stop accepting international and federal bribes from NGOs and our uh, federal government. Now, wait, when you say that you you say that you have strategies that are working uh, from the bottom up, is that what you're talking about? You've you've actually gotten a municipal government to stop taking federal money? Not necessarily. We we have we have different strategies for different issues. Uh, for example, here in the Missouri, we have been very successful with pursuing Tenth Amendment uh, legislation, both resolutions and binding legislation. And we have some huge things that are going to be happening in the spring. Um, on Monday, when I get back from the Continental Congress, I'm actually meeting with two state senators and a state rep to discuss the. Um, healthcare nullification bill that they will be introducing into the House to say that if there is uh, federal health care that is mandated, it will not apply to Missouri citizens. So um, we have found success in that, and we want to share that piece of the puzzle with others. For example, Texans for Accountable Government, they have mastered the art of um, basically dominating the local media. They do a great job of doing things that get on the local press and, and things that reach out to the left. Uh, just like those of you up um, in New Hampshire have, have found some very creative techniques, some of which I took home with me from Porkfest and have since been implementing in, in Missouri. So those are the sort of strategies that we're talking about. And the goal is to, um, for those of us who are more of the, uh, I like to call it, um, guerrilla activism type who like to storm in with cameras or open carrying or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, those of us who come from that mindset, we are trying to put together a strategy a plan, a guidebook, um, something that people can take in their hands tangibly and say, I'm going to go do this, and they can see the results as they go through the process. That is what we are looking to provide. We're not fighting the sort of old guard groups who just want to instruct the federal government and give them this one last, you know, instruction or else. Well, I I don't really see the benefit in it. Mm -hmm. I'm not wasting my energy fighting it. I'm going to make sure that we do have some strategies that will be handed to activists who are interested and willing. I think it's important to have that kind of plug-and-play activism where – for instance, a good example of it up here is there's a guy that uh, is kind of really into um, getting the materials together to allow people to make signs uh, to go out and hold demonstrations and things like that. But it's a lot easier once you've got a, a whole bunch of signs to just bring them out to a demonstration and, and just that way you can just tell the activists, hey, show up, we'll already have a sign for you. So it sounds kind of similar to what you're doing there where you're you're actually kind of coming up with ideas in advance and laying them out for uh, for activists to kind of pick up and run with. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Absolutely, absolutely. So we've been we've been working really hard to push um, these things through. For example, um, one of the things I was really impressed with coming out of both New Hampshire and Alaska are these open carry days. Now, I, as an individual, I do not own a gun. I wish I did, but you know, in the freedom fight, you know, finances aren't the easiest thing in the world. But I. I I've been talking to William about when I come up to Porkfest, we're going to uh, we're going to do this, and I'm going to go out and open carry for the first time in my life. And you know, for me, it's 
it's it's a little overwhelming to think about because I've never done it, and and it's you know yes, this is coming from the girl who get in, who will get in the governor's face and in law enforcement's face, but open carrying a gun that's going to be a big step, and so we fought very hard as a caucus of sort of the young movers and shakers to make sure that encouraging people to utilize their Second Amendment open carry protection. Um, we, we had to go through a couple rounds of voting, but we did get it in there. So, you know, we've been working really hard to make sure that there are um, decent ideas that are provided to any interested party. Cool. Now, so that's what's going on with this Continental Congress, and I appreciate the update on that because we haven't heard from uh, William Construct in a few days. Um, now, you were actually calling, as I understand it, to clue us in as to what's happened with your situation because, as I recall, you were arrested for something recently, right? Yes. Can you give us? A, uh, can you give our listeners? For, I was just going to say, yeah. Give our listeners a brief recap of what happened, and then uh, tell us what the latest is. Well, the very long story short is I was standing outside of a courthouse, and it, we'd been out there for 45 minutes. It was cold. It was dark, and they let about 15 people in. There was a line of about 45 people waiting to go in. So the rest of us moved forward, and an officer started asking us to line up against the wall. I made a comment to a girl who I did not know, and I said, get in line, show us your papers, give us your money, welcome to the new America. (laughs) He heard me say this. He did not like it. Um, He asked people if anyone had a leash that they could put on me, and he said that he, he asked me if I wanted to go to jail and said in front of all of these people that he would make up a reason to put me in jail. Totally believe it. I totally believe it. Uh, Catherine, I'm going to bring you back. You've got a few more minutes to tell us the rest, right? Okay, All right, yes, hang on. More with Catherine Bleich in a moment. 800-259-9231. She is from the Ladies of Liberty Alliance, and this is Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Carnation Evaporated Milk, the cooking milk that makes life richer. For rich and creamy recipes, visit us at thecookingmilk.com. We all have our roster of recipes, but eating the same dishes over and over becomes boring. Instead of throwing them out and starting from scratch, play with different ingredients to give new flavor to old standards. Try Thai spices instead of your usual Italian seasonings. That just might do the trick. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. If you dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Features including the archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website, and they're yours free at freetalklive.com. Now, Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project, your best chance at achieving liberty in your lifetime. You can join us up here in New Hampshire and get active in ways that uh, heretofore have been unavailable in the liberty movement because, well, there just weren't enough people to help. Up here, we don't have that problem, and there are more people coming in every single week. Soon, thousands of like-minded, liberty-oriented people will have moved here to New Hampshire. We're at the point where hundreds have moved at this point, uh, but more are coming, and we hope you'll be one of them. Go to freestateproject.org to learn more about it. And one of those places, the or one of the places, the Free State Project is being promoted fairly heavily with uh, within the last week or so has been at the Continental Congress which has been going on in Illinois. It's something the We the People organization has been putting on. And Catherine Bleich is with us. She is from the Ladies of Liberty Alliance. org is her website. And Catherine, you're back on Free Talk Live. Are you there? 
Yes, I am. Thank you. So you were telling us um, about what your personal your personal story. There's an update um, because you had been you were outside of a courthouse. Uh, there was a cop that was just you know trying to impose his authority and boss people around, and he'd ordered people to line up against the side of the building. and And you made a comment. What was the comment again? My comment was, "Get in line. Show us your papers. Give us your money. Welcome to the new America." Yeah, that's pretty much how things are, and I guess he didn't like that very much, huh? No, he did not. Indeed, he did not. I wasn't even speaking to him, but he asked me to repeat myself, so I did. <laughs> and he came up asking people if anyone had a to put on me and asking if I wanted to go to jail tonight. And while I spoke of the Constitution and asked why on earth I would be going to jail, he said, I will make something up. So when he went back inside, after telling me I had two minutes to leave or I'd be arrested, I had 10 witnesses, um, or I wrote down on a piece of paper that I was just told I'd be arrested for made-up charges and handed it to Josh, who, after I was arrested, got 10 witnesses who signed that they saw him say, heard him say he would make up charges to Mm -hmm. arrest me. And what did he arrest you? What was the charge again? Well, the charge was failure to comply. Um, It's a city ordinance in the city of Maplewood 22-2 that you must comply with lawful orders from law enforcement. Now, in the country of the United States, in the beautiful union of free sovereign states, it is my understanding, especially when my state constitution uh, says that we are only uh, we only hold an oath to the Constitution of the United States. So the, my First Amendment protects my ability to speak. Uh, no law shall infringe that. I'm both protected at the federal and state level in that regard. So his, his, his demanding I leave because he didn't like what I said was unconstitutional at the state level and the federal level. And I think they figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you clearly didn't plead guilty in this case. No, I actually never made it to my court date. Actually, I got a full Fox affiliate involved on the story, and they've Mm -hmm. been doing intense background research. And when I went in, I filed a complaint, and when I went in for my internal affairs investigation, I also submitted a sign open records request for the video surveillance, which I do have in my possession. And I also showed them all of the ten names and the people who left their phone numbers stating that they – um, had witnessed this situation. Well, one of them tipped the police department off that Channel 2 was on to the story, and uh, they started to act a little uncomfortable at that point. I also put together a constitution class in the city of Maplewood, and we went door-to-door flyering in Maplewood for three weeks. And the library threatened to cancel it on me, and they did not. It actually happened on Saturday, but... Hmm. When we showed up on Tuesday, I was arriving to get my copy of the surveillance tape, and Josh was being interviewed by the Eternal Affairs investigator. Uh, they told me that my case had been dismissed and that I did not have to show up to court on the 23rd. Interesting. Well, that's I guess that's good news. They, uh, you scared them off. They realized they had no case, and they realized they were up against a uh, young lady that was actually going to stand up for herself. Normally, they're not used to that, Catherine. They're used to just being able to throw a bunch of charges at people and then have them uh, come to them on on bended knee, uh, demanding, you know, hoping for a plea bargain, which you weren't going to do. And so they didn't want to deal with you. Now, you said it's not over yet, right? 
No, it is not over. Actually, I am very excited about uh, the legal representation that I have. Um, I, I don't know if you heard about the situation a few years back when the KKK was trying to do Adopt a Highway. No, I didn't. What's that? Well, it was a huge uproar in the state of Missouri. The uh, uh, Ku Klux Klan wanted to do an adopt-a-highway, um, which, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know if that's a federal program or state program, but they do put the name of the sponsoring yeah. group on the side of the highway. Well, their attorney is a First Amendment attorney who has agreed to represent me pro bono. So I do have representation. We will be going after them because they did basically kidnap me for doing absolutely nothing and put me in a cage for doing absolutely nothing, forced me to spend weeks fighting this instead of preparing for the Continental Congress. And, you know, they they really did throw a wrench in my life, and there was absolutely no justifiable reason for it. So you're not saying that uh, you identify with the KKK. You just happen to have the uh, the attorney that that worked on their case. Yeah. His 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 value is on freedom of speech, and yeah. his belief was that whether they're the KKK or not, they should still be allowed to participate in society, and they have the right to say whatever they want as long as they're not breaking any laws. Just as I should be able to say whatever I want as long as I'm not, you know, breaking any laws, committing any acts of violence, or or lying, which I shouldn't be arrested on the spot had I lied anyway. But yeah. Um, so what are you filing, some kind of uh, lawsuit against the, the city, or was it a state in the bowl, state cop? In the bowl, yes. Um, right now we are basically collecting as much information as we can. The Fox Channel 2 um, individual has videotaped interviews with every single witness, and so we are compiling all of the information, getting all of the written statements, all of the video documentation, and uh, the surveillance tapes, et cetera, et cetera. I still have to get my police report, um, which I will get when I arrive back in town from Continental Congress. So as soon as we have all that documentation put together and we can see what sort of case we can make, we will proceed from there. Well, I hope you'll keep us in the loop, Catherine, and I appreciate you calling to give us an update. I'm sure our listeners appreciate knowing what's uh, what was going on with that case, so they dropped the charges. And it's not over yet. You're going to pursue something against them, and you've yet to determine exactly what. So uh, hopefully we'll hear from you again with another uh, update on your case. Absolutely. And I just want to extend a huge thank you to the grassroots because I would not have got out of jail as fast as I did. And I would not have had the case dismissed if it wasn't for all of you. So thank you. Thank you, Catherine. And have fun out there at the Continental Congress. I guess it's kind of off and on the fun. I know how that parliamentarian stuff can be. It's probably pretty dull in most parts. But thanks for your time tonight. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Catherine Bleich with the Ladies of Liberty Alliance. Their calendar is for sale, by the way, and uh, Free Talk Live's got an advertisement in it at imlola.org. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything. Listen up for something free from Ruger. From now until the end of the year, buy any new Ruger bolt-action rifle and receive a free Ruger-branded Carhartt jacket, both made in America. For more information, go to Ruger.com slash Carhartt. That's Ruger.com slash C-A-R-H-A-R-T-T. Ruger rifles are known for their rugged reliability, handsome style, unique design features, and represent the best value in rifles. Go to Ruger.com and check out a Ruger rifle today. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. And those features include the bulletin board system with over 500,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about Serious issues, fun stuff, you'll find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. So there's a website called governmentisgood.com, and Nick, you've been kind of poring over it here a little bit during well, some, poked around, some mean, of the breaks. Uh, is it ludicrous or what? It's ludicrous. Yeah, it absolutely is. <laughs> so there's a story over at lewrockwell.com, and I'm so glad to finally get to talk about it because it's just so lengthy. The actual site itself is so crammed full of pro-government propaganda. It's written by a college professor, yes, which over, is not much of a surprise. No, nope, uh, he's uh, over at Holyoke College, Mount Holyoke College in Massachusetts, which is just down the road from us here in Keene. Um, but basically, as uh, who is this? William Anderson over at LouRockwell.com points out, as you read the Government is Good website, you find out that from the perspective of the professor, uh, Douglas Amy, from his perspective, the world is divided into two kinds of people. The first category includes those who run private businesses in order to cheat and kill you. And the second category includes those selfless government workers who tirelessly labor to keep those other evil people from harming you. Now, he says, let me deal with one of the complaints that libertarians falsely have made against the wonders and greatness of government. The Transportation Security Administration is heavy-handed and abusive. That's what a liberty-minded person might say. Uh, Even as I write this article, I see that there's a terrible piece right on LouRockwell.com that dares question our government masters who are simply protecting us from the predations of private enterprise. If it, were for, uh, if it were not for those wonderful TSA people, airlines would practically invite terrorists onto passenger aircraft and all of our cities would lay in ruins as plane after plane would be crashing into them. Because this is the goal. Is this an actual excerpt? This is verbatim? No, no, no. This okay. is This is... The uh, the uh, the author here, William Anderson, over at LouRockwell.com, is he's commenting. He's paraphrasing. He's commenting on the yeah the, the the stuff that you'll find over at GovernmentIsGood.com. He's yeah he's definitely summarizing uh, from his perspective what he what he read there. See, it's it's changed him because for years he's been writing about how governments abuse, murder, and imprison innocent people, and now he's because he's read GovernmentIsGood.com, he's realized that he's been wrong this whole time. Uh, so. How do I know it's true that the airlines are trying to kill their, their passengers? Well, Professor Amy told me so. Now, wait a minute. You say, what about our rights? Doesn't the Declaration of Independence say that the role of government is to protect those rights that we already own by virtue of our human existence? Oh, silly you. Professor Amy is much more on target. Now, this is an actual quote from governmentisgood.com. We often make the mistake of seeing our rights and civil liberties as merely the absence of some kind of governmental action. Mm. We believe that we have free speech or freedom of religion when the government does nothing to impede those freedoms. But in reality, our rights depend heavily on an active government, on positive government actions. In fact, the very existence of rights depends on government. Rights and civil liberties are actually political constructs, creations of government. Huh. How about that? Can you believe that? I mean, according to this guy, rights never existed before somebody formed a violent monopoly to write some crap down on paper. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty absurd. <laughs> I, mean, that's, I, I don't know how you can make that case. 
This right here is reason enough to not send your kids to college. Well, certainly not at Mount Holyoke College, which is it, it has a reputation for being a hotbed of socialism, and I, I certainly think this website is an example of why it has that reputation. Even further, rights do not exist unless they are created by law or established in a constitution. What? No. Okay, so I don't have a right to not be killed unless a government says so? That's right. It must be written down. So if a government decides to kill me then that because they don't like my religion or my skin color, then that's perfectly acceptable. As long as because it's... Because no rights have been violated. Correct. We, according, to, uh, according to Professor Amy, we only have the right of free speech because it is guaranteed in our Constitution. Well, what do you say to Catherine Bleich? I mean, we just talked to Catherine a few moments ago. She was outside of a courthouse, a government piece of property, made a comment that a police officer didn't like very much and was thrown into well, jail cell for several hours. I mean, it's, it's, it, it doesn't seem to follow because we, the Constitution is a, the, the First Amendment is a prohibition on government infringement on your First Amendment, on your freedom of speech and right. assembly and religion. But you wouldn't need to create that protection if you didn't have government around in the first place. So it's, it, without government, that does, you might not have a First Amendment, but you also wouldn't have a government to deprive you of your right to free speech. Right. He's, he's completely backwards in his interpretation. Uh, the, as you point out, the Constitution is a set of rules for the state. Not for the people. Right. The Constitution and the Bill of Rights specifically identifies certain rights that people already have by nature of their existence... And it essentially is in a set of instructions to say, okay, you government guys, you can't cross these lines. See here, free right. speech, free this, free that. Well, it's know. because, they're, I mean, they're, they're what you would call negative liberties. You have a right to free speech because you have a right not to be censored. You have a right not, you know, a right to life, you know, except for the whole due process of law thing, because you have a right not to be killed. It, you know, the, because the you're a sovereign the, individual. Right, you're a sovereign individual with natural rights or rights from your creator, however you want to look at it. Because you're a human being with human dignity, you have certain rights. Now, he, he conflates a certain term here. He says, if we didn't have our constitution or if we didn't have government, our civil liberties would literally not exist. Now, that's actually likely a true statement. Well, a civil liberty is a, it refers to a, a politically sanctified or recognized uh, right. Exactly. He, well, he, right. So he's conflating the concept of natural rights, the right to control one's own self, with civil liberties, which would be, you know, a civil liberty could be that uh, it's sort of a privilege, if you will, well, within uh, like a, a, a right governmental system. Like a right to a jury system. trial. That's not, that's not so much a natural right in the sense that it, is something you're born with, but yes. in the system, you know, the system of government that we have in the United States, it was put there, you know, as a restraint on government to prevent, say, tribunals where you're being judged simply by a judge with no ability to to see the evidence against you and face your accuser. So that is a man-made right. That's uh, you know, that's a government-created privilege essentially and I, I like the fact that we have a right to a jury trial as sure. long as we're going to have government around it seems like a pretty good idea that they should at least have to convince another group of you know a jury of your peers that you should be convicted for a crime so he's but he what he's done is he's successfully conflated civil liberties which are essentially rights and privileges within a governmental structure with actual rights conflated them well, he's attempted to well it'll be successful to his uh, minions that he has in his classes where he's 
providing them with this information. I mean, they're not going to know the difference. You and I, we know the difference, and we're able to point out the difference for our audience, but he's not going to make that distinction in front of his classes. And that's what is most disturbing about this, is this is information that this is being presented to likely hundreds of of students every single year, and who knows what influence he has outside of Mount Holyoke um, College. I don't know. He has governmentisgood.com. Yeah, exactly. Uh, He goes on, though. He says... In the preamble of the Constitution, the Founding Fathers did not say that in order to secure liberty for ourselves and our posterity, they were going to abolish government. They said they were going to ordain and establish a democratic constitutional government to do so. They knew, as Benjamin Barber has explained, that in democracies, representative institutions do not steal our liberties from us. They are the precious medium through which we secure our liberties. Well, the the founding generation and many of the founding fathers made a number of statements about how democracies could take your rights from you and how a, a, a majority of people, a mob, was something that you should be afraid of if they decided to try to take your life, liberty, or property from you through government. It's it's this kind of uh, fantastical idea, the idea that the government should be this thing that is securing liberties well, and protecting freedom. But the paradox, of course, is that it can't do anything unless it first violates freedom because it's it's operating on a coercive basis. If governments operate on a voluntary basis, it could actually do what it set out to do. That's certainly true. To some extent, I see us very, very small government as perhaps necessary evil to prevent guys like... Douglas Amy from getting in charge. (laughs) Guys like Douglas Amy are already in charge. That's the thing. More coming up. Uh, You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL. That's FTL is in Free Talk Live. And sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Just dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free on the site, so do enjoy those on us. And again, that's freetalklive.com. If you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, we could use your AMP. Become an amplifier for 3 bucks a month at amp.freetalklive.com, and you will get perks and access to things like the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. But most importantly, we take that money and reinvest it. It doesn't go to cut anybody a paycheck here. Just ask Nick. He's never gotten a paycheck once from doing this show. Never once. Uh, But uh, it does go back into the show, and it does help get this program and the message of freedom on as many radio stations as we can possibly get on. That number, by the way, is currently at 56 and hopefully that number will be at 60 uh, or more by the end of the year because I've got a few in the hopper that it's all being made possible by listeners like you getting behind the show and becoming Free Talk Live amplifiers at amp.freetalklive.com. Now, Nick's got his own show. It's called Free Minds Radio, and you can go to – and also Free Minds TV. Uh, you can go to freemindsmedia.com. Dot com is fine. The, uh, the site is being reconstructed because we had um – Technical issues, basically, it was a virus worm thing. Oh, no. I, don't, I don't really know. Um, but the site had been having some problems for a couple of months, actually. 
Um, and I hear that it will be back up and completely fixed, hopefully soon. So you so can go it ahead like and go there. functional right no, now? It's, no, you'll get basically oh, no. a splash page that will give you, we are reconstructing the site. I mean, you can link to the forum. Okay. Um, and the contact us, I think, but um, well, meantime, they no can, blogs or anything. Okay, meantime, they can get the, the at least the video side from freekeen.com. I know Toby's been posting you guys' Freekeen.com, or, I mean, it's up on YouTube. I think it's actually right. under the Freekeen Free YouTube channel. account. So you can still get the video. It's still out there online. It's just we're trying to get the site up to snuff. Okay, website coming back soon at freemindsmedia.com. But when it's up, you'll be able to get video and audio and blog posts and uh, more more of Nick's uh, thoughts and stuff like that over at freemindsmedia.com. Uh, plus, maybe you're interested in journalism and passionate about liberty. Maybe you want to learn about print, broadcast, or investigative journalism by interning at a newspaper, media network, or state policy organization. The program includes a week-long career workshop, a stipend, and a housing assistance. You can receive mentoring and job search assistance during and after your internship. Placements are available for the summertime and fall. You can apply for summer placement by January 31st. If you are, I believe this is for those of you who are college age, uh, libertarianinternships.com is where you want to go for that. It sounds like a really great opportunity. That's libertarianinternships.com. As we continue here, uh, the story is about a, a website called Government is Good. You want to talk about the most propaganda-filled website you've ever seen? This has got to be in the top ten. The, the entire website is dedicated to brainwashing people on how government is just wonderful and great and it's necessary and we need it and it's so it's the best thing that could ever happen to mankind. And that's essentially the viewpoint of this website. And over at lewrockwell.com, which likely would not agree, uh, William Anderson is is writing with his tongue firmly planted in his cheek. He said that uh, after years years of uh, believing that governments murdered, abused, and imprisoned innocent people and destroyed life around the world. He's now changed his mind thanks to governmentisgood.com. And on governmentisgood.com, uh, the author, who is a college professor, claims that rights exist because government has decreed it so. That rights didn't exist before governments decided to write some crap down on pieces of paper and call it important. Uh, and indeed, uh, Anderson continues with his story. He says, yes, before the establishment of the Constitution in 1787, no one had rights. Furthermore, those colonials who believed in things like liberty and the absence of tyranny were all wet. They didn't have any rights because government hadn't established them. So there, readers of this page, bet you haven't even thought of this timeless truth. As I read through this wonderful website, I find it's a treasure trove of truth and beauty. As I go through declaration after declaration in which we are told that taxes are what secure our freedom that high taxes are preferable to low taxes, and bureaucracy is pure and much more freedom-loving than those old private companies. Slavery is freedom, basically. Yeah, exactly. Professor Amy gives many wonderful examples that we should heed, and I will present a few. The first deals with the present economic crisis that occurred because private enterprise, working without any government regulatory oversight, created this recession and never would have, uh, that never would have happened had government been fully in charge of our economy. 
<laughs> you see, the Federal Reserve System operates to protect the rest of us from the ravages of private enterprise. And when the government forced lending institutions to reduce their un- underwriting standards, government was not being foolish and reckless. Oh, no. It was protecting its citizens from those mean and nasty arbitrary standards that those wicked people in private enterprise lay upon us. If government were completely in charge of our economy here in the United States, I have a feeling we'd still be lighting our homes with candles or something very close to that. I mean, take a look yeah. at, at countries where the government really does completely command the economy, like North Korea or the former Soviet Union or Cuba. They all, they're, they're all sucky places to live. Absolutely right. Every wonder, one of them. Does he address that? I wonder if he has an article about North Korea in there anywhere. What's well, wrong with I mean, North Korea? They've got to be some of the way? freest people in the world if higher taxes and more government regulation of our Equal lives freedom. equals freedom. Yeah. The toll-free number here for your thoughts is 800-259-9231. Of course, he's presenting it as though the economic world in this country, uh, specifically the, uh, the bank side of things, is unregulated. And it's a common viewpoint from those who support the government that these uh, b- bankers and the uh, money people, they, they don't have any regulations that they've got to deal with. And, and that's why we need more regulations, because there's none right now. I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? Have you ever tried to start your own bank? <laughs> and it's uh, Yeah, I mean, and there are government programs out there. The government has put pressure on lenders uh, in the past to make homes more affordable and make housing more attainable and accessible to people who were marginal, people who didn't deserve to get a home loan. And that's a big part of the problem, not, not to mention the fact that the entire banking system is centered around our currency and the, the, you know, the common means of exchange, and that is completely controlled by government or a quasi-government agency that would be the Federal Reserve. Yep. I mean, money creation and the, the, the worth of money, essentially, for borrowing or lending money through interest rates is completely controlled by the Federal Reserve. And that is the rates that the banks can charge are essentially directly dictated by government, which is why we have these boom and bust cycles that are, you know, booms and busts will happen in a, mar- a, a completely free market economy, but Not they're, like ma- this. they're made much more severe and the downturns are much more prolonged because of government intervention. Let's go to your calls. Tyler's on the line in Massachusetts. Tyler, your thoughts on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hi, uh, I'm calling again. I called uh, last week. This time I'm going to call up that Government is Good website. Have you seen their Day in the Life section? I, I It's been a while, honestly, since I've been. I'm in, on it right now. Let's see here. What is Day in the Life? It's called A Day in Your Life. It's um, Oh, A Day in Your Life. Here it is. It's this hilarious, uh, I mean, I guess for us it's hilarious. It's this like four-page rant about how, you know, all of your day-to-day activities are all made better by the government about how in the morning you can drop your kid off at a child care center, which apparently wouldn't exist without government help, <laughs> right. about about how um, highways wouldn't exist, um, that, you know, you can, that, you know, you're, if you, your uh, worries about, you know, being downsized at work, but that's okay because you know, the government will provide uh, unemployment insurance, which, of course, mm-hmm. wouldn't exist because no one would ever think of, you know, providing any kind of unemployment insurance if the government didn't fully fund it. Um, yeah, they yes. start off your day with one of my favorite government agencies, which is the FCC, which brings coherence to your favorite station where your alarm right. clock radio is set, <laughs> because you couldn't work that out without the FCC. 
Yeah, I actually do recall that one. I think I think he's writing that in response to one of those email forwards that went around that I think kind of did the opposite. Essentially, picked out various different things of where the where you would wake up and go throughout your day and all the various different ways the government is taxing you and screwing you. I think that's his response to that. Okay. Okay. Um, yes, it is very amusing. I highly recommend it. You just go through it, and you, you kind of wonder, like, what is the psychology of the person writing this? Um, I mean, I guess in a you know in a place like Cuba, they don't have to worry about half of these because there are no coffee makers because there's no electricity most of the time. <laughs> uh, so the government, I guess, protects you from faulty coffee makers if you're not allowed to own one. Yeah, it protects you from electricity. Period. I mean, you could shock yourself. Exactly. Exactly. It could be very dangerous. And you don't have to worry too much about getting tainted meat or something like that in Cuba because you're not going to be eating very much meat. Mostly rice. <laughs> Probably not enough of it either. I was uh, actually speaking of uh, meat availability in communist countries. Apparently in uh, North Korea, dog has now been relegated to luxury status. It's um, really? not readily available uh, for consumption for the general population. Well, that might actually they... have cultural connotations too because I know that Koreans do eat dog around certain times of the year. I think there's one particular holiday where it's eaten. I've actually heard it's pretty good. Never Probably tried tastes it like chicken. I've heard it's more... No, it's no? more of a red meat. Interesting. Dark red meat. All right. Hey, thanks for the call tonight, uh, Tyler. Appreciate it. And if you want to share... Maybe you're over at governmentisgood.com and you want to share some nuggets. Nuggets of wisdom from Professor Amy. Uh, we'd love to hear from you at 800-259-9231. It's just too big for me to just boil it all down or to focus on... I mean, if we focused on one article every night, it'd be too much. Have you heard of the Millionaire Patriot? You should. He has a free handgun and five days of firearms training waiting for you. That's right. You can attend five days of world-class gun training at Front Sight Firearms Training Institute and secure a 30-state concealed weapon permit, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Now is the time you and your family need to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. And the Millionaire Patriot is paying his own money to help you get it. This is real. Thousands have already taken advantage of it, and you should too. Don't miss out. Secure a Front Sight defensive handgun course plus 30-state concealed weapon permit for pennies on the dollar. And get your free handgun. Go to FrontSight.com today. That's F-R-O-N-T-S-I-G-H-T.com. Go to FrontSight.com for your training and free handgun. This is Free Talk Live, launching into the second hour of the show. You can bring up whatever you want. If you dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231, we are talking about the Government is Good website, which has been something I've always really wanted to talk about, but never really wanted to take the time to actually pour over the site for long enough to find something uh, that I wanted to talk about. I could actually spend a whole month probably talking about all the propaganda on governmentisgood.com. But luckily, finally, over at lewrockwell.com, uh, William Anderson has boiled some of the more interesting parts down into a, a, an article that was posted there, I think yesterday uh, or over the weekend. And it was it's a website put together by Douglas Amy, a professor of politics at Mount Holyoke College. And essentially the entire site is just massive propaganda in favor of the state. And I think it's a good sign that this website has come out, really. I think it's a comment on how effective the liberty movement is becoming. Obviously, the liberty movement isn't a total threat to the status quo at this point, but uh, Douglas Amy thinks it's dangerous enough 
to the point where he's decided to put up his propaganda site to combat the effects of the liberty movement. Because we're out there bringing people to the the ideas that government isn't helping people, that government is hurting people, that it's not. Well, I, I think a lot of people already have those ideas. You know, I, I think a lot of people on the street, they might not be principled necessarily, but I don't think that the general perception out there is that in the United States is that government is great and very efficient and we want more taxes. Yeah, maybe so. I, I think there is there is a general undertone of distrust and dislike of government in the United States. So, But I think that the liberty movement, I think it's of concern to those people who do want to grow the size of the state because they know that the population is sympathetic to the idea of reducing government or eliminating government and they're concerned about that because they know that as the liberty movement grows they could be losing ground and it's a good sign that they are very concerned about that possibility when they do put up their own websites like government is good first they ignore you then they laugh at you then they fight you then you win uh this would definitely be the fighting i think the fighting phase for him or at the the very least the laughing phase Uh, they're not ignoring the liberty movement at this point. In fact, I think on his about, uh, if you look at the site, as I recall, he does make reference to kind of this anti-government or pro-freedom mentality that's spreading across the nation, and it needs to be stopped. So he has. Uh, so we'll continue here with just a, the story from William Anderson at LouRockwell.com. Now, William Anderson, tongue-in-cheek, saying that he's now come to the conclusion that government is actually great, thanks to his time spent on GovernmentIsGood.com, and he points out that. According to governmentisgood.com, companies only profit when they kill or maim their customers or put prices so high that they cannot sell many of their goods. It's government that provides our goods for free because government is so far-seeing and so wise that it knows how to take scarce goods and then turn them into free goods without causing any economic dislocations. After all, everyone who believes in the wonder and goodness of government knows that the law of scarcity was made up by evil people who think that government is bad. This past week, people celebrated the 20th anniversary of the end of the Berlin Wall, yet few people know the truth as to why communism and especially the Soviet Union collapsed. That's why you must read Government is Good, for Professor Amy has an answer to that question, too. Why did the USSR go the way of the Assyrian Empire? According to the good professor, quote, Our rights depend heavily on an active and well-funded government. When governments find themselves in a position where they can't effectively tax and spend, as has sometimes been the case in countries in the former Soviet Union, citizens' rights and liberties become unenforceable and largely non-existent. That's pretty sick. Why? Is he saying that when when the USSR had money, it was guaranteeing people's liberty <laughs> and rights? That's because what that, he's saying. That's, I mean, that's pretty disgusting to me. <laughs> that he would be sympathetic to the idea of, well, if they had enough money, it's too bad. Because when the Soviet Union collapsed, they couldn't protect people's rights anymore by well, killing millions of people. Yeah, well, where did it all go? Where did all their tax base go to in the Soviet Union? Why didn't they have any, an, an effective method of taxing and spending? Does he bother to explain that? Where where'd it go? I mean, if they were so well off in the beginning, what happened? You kill it if you start killing your uh, citizens, 
and you tax them to death and you extract all their wealth from them, how are you going to get anything else out of them? You can't get blood from a stone. If, you, if you've got a whole country full of impoverished people, people that have been made poor well, by the fact that they have no opportunity to become wealthy because the government is extracting their wealth from them, then what else can you get out of them besides labor, which, you know, forced labor just isn't well, really worth that not much. Not just extracting wealth from them through taxation, but essentially controlling the whole economy and preventing any kind of competition. I mean, when you look at the Soviet Union... Right, they had no opportunity to create I mean, wealth for yeah, themselves. I mean, the, the Soviet Union was such a draconian case where you actually had the state ran all businesses. If you saw a need for a product or service in the marketplace, you could not open up a business to try to satisfy that need. It'd have to be and black market. You'd have to oh, be well, black and market. The, I mean, there was some black market trade going on, but it was dangerous. I mean, you could get yeah. sent to Siberia or shot or tortured if you got caught running your business. <laughs> And apparently this professor doesn't think that's so bad because that's just uh, the government helping you exercise your rights. So he goes, uh, So Anderson continues now. He says, I had no idea that the real reason that Stalin murdered millions of people and enslaved hundreds of millions more was because he and his minions could not, have effective, could not effectively tax and spend. Oh, if only, if only the leadership of the Soviet government could have found this website or hired this great professor as a consultant, then the USSR could have been saved, and it would have been a beacon of good government and liberty for the entire world. Therefore, dear readers, you must abandon this antiquated notion that the state is the enemy of liberty. Indeed, those who heap calumny on these uh, agents of the state are guilty of promoting false and evil doctrines. Thus, to gain a true education, you must read, nay, absorb, governmentisgood.com. As you read through the site, which admittedly takes a long, long time, as Professor Amy is quite prolific in his writings that lay praise upon praise long upon the winded. state. Long-winded. Oh, yeah. That's College the, professors are, are known for not being very concise or entertaining with their, with their lectures and dissertations. That's why, I didn't ever, that's why I never really felt the motivation to do anything with the website on the air, because it would take me too damn long just to go through and edit down yeah. one of his articles for an on-air presentation. It's just that lengthy. Anyway, he says, you may find, you will find many wonderful truths. You'll discover that Ludwig von Mises was absolutely wrong in his views on bureaucracy because Professor Amy knows that bureaucracy is an efficient and compassionate servant of a mostly ungrateful populace. You'll also discover that you need to pay more taxes, lest our fate be that of the USSR. Furthermore, you'll find... Well, lest our fate be... Yeah, Lest our fate be like a collapse like the USSR, where we actually get more freedom back. <laughs> it's okay if we turn into a police state like the USSR, right. as long as it's a well-funded police state. Furthermore, you'll find that one of the great prophets of our time is Paul Krugman. He doesn't mention Ron Paul, but I'm sure that the good professor believes that Representative Paul is a very bad man who's harming the cause of good government, because as we already know, government is good. Should you continue to explore this wonderful site, you'll find that capitalism itself needs government. If you read this section, you'll find that the reason serfdom existed in the Middle Ages was because there was not enough government. You'll also find that private enterprise can't survive without government, because government money is sound and wonderful, not like that dishonest private money that used to exist. The one thing that puzzles me, however, says Anderson, is why the good professor doesn't deal with what seems to be the obvious question. If government is so good and so efficient and so kind and gentle, then why do we need private enterprise and private property at all? I'm not sure as to why he's failed to make the obvious connection, but maybe he wants to humor us or let us go slowly into socialism so that when we finally discover the error of our ways, we won't be in despair because we'd wasted so much of our lives. 
I could go on and on, but I won't. Uh, this article, unfortunately, will not convince many readers of this blog and other libertarians to change their evil ways and embrace the state. No, they will continue to believe the falsehoods that the USSR collapsed because economic calculation under socialism is impossible, and not the truth, according to the good professor, that the land of Lenin and Stalin could not effectively tax and spend. So there you have it. Government is good. And if you don't believe it, then perhaps you need to face the same fate as befell David Koresh and Vicky Weaver, who got what was coming to them. Because they didn't believe the government is good. Anyway, the website is governmentisgood.com. And uh, like I said, way too long for us to really dig into effectively here on the air. But maybe you want to go take a look at it when you get a chance. Maybe send off uh, the professor there an email with your thoughts about his website and his uh, There is a contact button. Yeah, so do that over at governmentisgood.com. And if you find something that's explicitly good, something that you really feel like you want to share with the Free Talk Live audience, go ahead. Call us up. Let us know what it is. Because there's just so much to uh, to process there. We can't do it for you. More coming up. Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. Your calls about what you want. This is Free Talk Live. If you're paying more than $14.95 per month for DSL, you are paying way too much. It's time to make the switch to DSL Extreme, the nation's number one internet service provider. DSL Extreme is fast. And at $14.95 per month, it's cheaper than dial-up. Plus, you get free spam protection, a free modem, and 24-hour-a-day free local tech support with no setup fees. Restrictions apply. Call 1-866-2-GET-NET. That's 1-866-2-GET-NET. Or go to DSLExtreme.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features on that site, and they are totally free, including the archives. If you missed a moment of the show, click download. They're yours. Front page of the site, free at freetalklive.com. And check out the Low Country Liberty Report. He's a Ridleyographer from Savannah, Georgia, who focuses on pro-freedom issues from around the country. Liberty-oriented reports for liberty-minded folk. And he doesn't pretend to be unbiased in his reports, tries to add some humor to everyone. Find his videos at lclreport.com or join the LCL group on Facebook or Twitter. That's lclreports.com. As we continue taking your phone calls about whatever you want, John, listening to WCER in Canton, Ohio. John, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, I've only heard uh, uh, just a few minutes of uh, this uh, free market libertarianism uh, discussion, but I I recommend people, if they want to get a contrary view and a very long uh, analysis of uh, where libertarian was hatched from and uh, where it has uh, 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 developed, uh, uh, I'd ask them to just go on to Google with these words, the not-so-spontaneous libertarian, the not-so-spontaneous libertarian. If you put those... uh, not so spontaneous libertarian words on Google. You come up with a very long documented article about uh, how this uh, ideology uh, was very synthetic and was created by uh, originally a, a, a billionaire by the name of William Volcker, who uh, uh, artificially pumped it into uh, the National Association of Manufacturers, a lot of right-wing uh, think tanks. Uh, who uh, funded it over the years, set up uh, so-called free free enterprise institutes, and actually uh, it had nothing to do with the kind of uh, spontaneous development of freedom. It had to do with... So wait a minute, when did this happen? Are you talking about the 20th century? Yeah, the 20th century. Well, the ideas of liberty have been around a lot longer than that. You understand that, right? But I'm I'm talking about this particular patented idea that... What uh, idea? 
the idea that uh, there is uh, some kind of a, a free market uh, uh, capitalism that is possible or that exists at this time or could exist has been uh, pushed by uh, ExxonMobil, the uh, scape, uh, 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 why, well, now, first of all, hold on a moment. Uh, ExxonMobil is is tied in with the state, as are most of the major oil companies. So those yeah, people that's are... what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's really a phony ide- ideology. Uh, it's really uh, sponsored by uh, many of these billionaires, uh, Milton Friedman, the uh, University of Chicago. All of this uh, had billions of dollars poured into it from the Scape Foundation. Richard Mellonscape of the Mellon Where are my billions of dollars? I'd like to know. I mean, I'm well, out here. They're, trying... they're, I'm just saying all of these things. Uh, if you if you'll check, I'll that, take a few uh, hundred thousand. I mean, I don't need all the billions. Yeah, if you'll just check those uh, words, uh, you'll find a long article that documents all oh, of oh, these that's, people. That's fine. You know, all I'm these sorry, people quoting each other. All of these billionaires uh, funding people. Well, what is the point that you're getting at? I mean, essentially, what you're propagating here is some sort of libertarian conspiracy theory. I mean, what is it yeah. that you're trying to accomplish? Well, what I'm trying to accomplish is I'm trying to say that uh, uh, why is it, for instance, on GCN, we only have uh, libertarians uh, uh, practically up and down the line. We never have any real actual uh, socialist uh, on, like WSWS.org, anywhere. Left-wing radio doesn't typically do too well. I mean, just as a general rule, I mean, there was Air America for a while, but still out there. No, that's not socialism. That is Democratic Party. So are you a socialist, sir? Is that what you are? Self-identify. I don't belong to any organization. I used to believe this will about free marketism back in the early '60s. Really? I learned by by looking that it's funded a very much by these billionaires who quote each other, set up free market, so uh, wait, free enterprise I, shares at universities. Are you, a, are you a Marxist or a Fabian socialist or? Well, I just believe that uh, people have get, got to get other sorts of information. I've never belonged to any particular organization, but I do believe that the only source of uh, information that has been totally tabooed, misrepresented by smart guys and wise guys who will uh, uh, very cowardly quote a kind of a straw man article that will never allow WSWS.org or somebody like a Professor Grover Furr to discuss these uh, social Let's talk about your ideas, not these other websites. Yeah, I want to know I mean, more. You're on GCN right yeah. now, so you I want to well, discuss your well, ideas. I'm talking about, I'm talking about uh, the fact that your your ideology has been funded by some of the biggest Look, I, hold on one moment it's here. There's anti-establishment about you. you John, know, you're, you're, John, can you just hang on, on a second? I've got a, I've got a question for you. You keep kind of harping on the same subject, and that is that there's some sort of conspiracy of billionaires that's I'm funding the, digging here the Liberty Movement. Articles. Nick, Nick, how are you doing with... Hold on a second, John. Nick, I know that you're, uh, you've got a show on the weekends. It's, uh, it's on Sunday afternoons called Free Minds Radio. You guys are you know, getting some cash from those libertarian billionaires, right? No, I, in my experience, I, 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 there aren't very many libertarian billionaires. But uh, John's going to tell no. you that there are. Now, John, I, I, well, don't, I mean, there are. Well, Richard Mellonscape, for instance, has funded the Mount Polarin Society. I don't even ever uh, even heard, never heard, heard of that. Uh, John, has, I've never even heard of these people. I want to talk to you about your beliefs. John? John, I don't care about the libertarian billionaires in your allegations. What I want to know is what you believe about the world around you. So how about this for a question? Do you support aggressing against your peaceful neighbors? Absolutely not. And that, uh, that is what Richard Mellon Scape on that, that particular bl- uh, blend of uh, libertarianism absolutely believes in. He, he is one of the biggest uh, supporters of uh, I like the Fox Channel uh, type of ideology. Well, the Fox is not a libertarian chase. I, I mean, I, you have to understand that there are a lot of people out there, whether they're in corporations or in government, uh, particularly conservatives, who will so-called conservatives, who will say that they 
believe in limited government and freedom, and then they do completely the opposite, and they support a system where corporations are granted government monopoly privileges and protectionism against competition. So uh, you do have a lot of people using libertarian-esque rhetoric uh, as a cover for essentially statism. And Well, uh, I bet if you're, if you're talking about... Uh the only kind of uh, uh, capitalism that can exist at late-stage uh, imperial uh, capitalism not, uh, that, that needs expansion to... Uh, uh, I don't want to talk itself. about capitalism. We haven't been talking about capitalism here, and I don't want to talk about... Well, capitalism is a confusing term, too. It is. Are we talking about the economic system we currently have or what I would describe as capitalism? So, so is libertarianism is also in a, a confusing term. And what I wanted to point out here, John, is when I asked you the question, do you support aggressing against peaceful people, you said no. So... From that perspective, you and I are on the same page. I consider myself a voluntarist. Nick, I don't know how you would self-describe, but as a voluntarist, I... I'm a Jeffersonian minarchist. There so. you go. Uh, as a voluntarist, I believe that uh, people, human beings, should interact with one another on a consensual basis. Do you agree with that? John? No, I don't. Uh, well, uh, well, of, uh, of course I do, but at the same time, we're not uh, living in that system where the, uh, the uh, heights of capital... The major banks are now running everything, uh, running the government, running the media, uh, controlling the Congress and the Senate. So if we're not going to look at a, a, not a fairy tale type of uh, schematic, we're talking about the existing real world where the top uh, finance, Goldman Sachs, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, the sure, there are a lot of corporations are running, are running our society. Well, you've got government and business in bed together, so the answer of getting government more involved in business, that, doesn't, that seems like a poor answer to well, me. Well, I don't even know what John's around, answer is. John, what is your answer? Business, uh, the, the state. It's the other way around. The state, as always, as Mark said, represents the ruling interest of any particular yeah, epic. Uh, as well, well as don't you think that's a flaw, a flaw in Marxian thought, that you're going to get a bigger, more intrusive government, and that magically, all of a sudden... They're not going to pander towards the rich and the elite who can give them some kind of advantage in re- retaining power? All right. If, John, if you're saying that uh, that my viewpoint is too pie in the sky, I want to hear what your viewpoint is and want to hear what your ideas are for the future. So I want to bring John back. If you don't mind, hang on. We'll bring you back. 800-259-9231. That is the, uh, the toll-free number. You can dial in and bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Well, now we've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some very special rates on some of my favorite gold and silver pieces. I love the British Sovereign. It's about a quarter ounce, which is usable for a gold coin. They tend to be older and thus are numismatic and untracked by the government. They have the 100-year-old wow factor for the layman and are easily storable for emergencies. You can get them for only $288. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold. FreeTalkLive.com. The shipping is the same as it is for one coin as it is for 20. So try to get as many as you can at once. 877-857-9938. Gold.FreeTalkLive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And you can join us on our website, at freetalklive.com, we have the Shrine of Female Listeners there, brought to you by Manchester Brewing. Shrine of Female Listeners is the dozens of ladies that have sent us their validated photo or video to show they are indeed listeners of Free Talk Live. And you can head on over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see it for yourself. That's shrine.freetalklive.com, brought to you by Manchester Brewing. 
The purveyor of tonsil polish and spandex remover since the Norman Conquest. ManchesterBrewing.com. As we continue here, John is with us in Ohio listening to WCER. Now, John, you called up to to express your concern. You had uh, suggested that we look up... Uh, start page. We go to startpage.com and look up a, a certain phrase that would find uh, the conspiracy behind the libertarian movement, which you say was essentially funded and created by a bunch of billionaires. Um, at one time, I would have considered myself a libertarian. Now I call myself a voluntarist, and as I explained, that means I believe that human beings should interact with one another on a consensual basis. You essentially called that pie in the sky, so I just want to know what it is that you'd like to see happen uh, in society. Well, I, I think that at this point in time, uh, the real threat to liberty and freedom is the uh, inevitable concentration of wealth into the uh, increasingly smaller and smaller hands that we see attenuated at this point, uh, like no other point in history, where the uh, not only the industrial uh, uh, capitalists, but the financial parasitical capitalists who are not even contributing to uh, uh, any real economy have now dominated everything and the, the working people are uh, pushed into increasing poverty and penury, where the state, as uh, Mark said, is the executive committee of that ruling elite in any part of uh, time in history. We now see that being played out, and I think the, the only way that real uh, freedom can be given to uh, uh, the people or taken by the people uh, is to uh, restore uh, the fact that uh, the, the working people, mental and manual, black and white, whatever religion or non-religion, are bereft of any kind of uh, uh, participation or say or any real control over the things that are owned by an increasingly small minority and that that uh, that has to be changed that they're going to have to physically take and hold what they operate every day but don't have any control over in terms of their pay their benefits and everything that are being slashed and gutted and thrown out of work while we have this technology while we have this uh, possibility for an abundance for everybody now, and they're being denied this just John, like we're during the, the 30s uh, okay i want to get a little more specific from you here in a moment but but i share your concerns on the aspect that indeed wealth is being concentrated into the hands of the few and that's uh, why the federal reserve system exists it's so that the people that are in charge of it can ass- effectively extract wealth without ever having to tax people in the first place because but just by printing out more money they can uh, shift around the the wealth in this country and they can take and they are successfully taking wealth from the hands of the uh, you know the, uh, the 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 you know poor and the middle class and transferring it into the hands of the politically connected those well, you know corporations that you're talking about so what I want to know is you were, you were talking about seizing um, what is it you want to see happen exactly I'm a little confused as to what well, you want uh, to see all right. happen. I, I think the uh, well, that's a, a, a symptom of that problem is the Federal Reserve uh, control of banking, but I don't think it's the whole thing because we had imperialism and, and we had uh, uh, the Gilded Age of robber barons and terrible poverty before uh, the 1913 uh, of Federal Reserve. So I think it's, uh, it's a question of that the, uh, the, the class interest of the uh, metal and manual workers in this country and around the world are going to have to find some way to come together to uh, counter the globalist uh, uh, elite that are uh, uh, increasingly eliminating uh, uh, the uh, the life support systems uh, and living standards of people around the world, in some cases uh, mainly uh, through a libertarian ideology of getting rid of all kind of social uh, support programs, social safety net programs. That is the policy of the World Bank, the Wall Street interest. Uh, no, Bank I'm sorry. I think that you're a little confused as to what the, uh, the liberty-minded perspective is on uh, social programs. 
I want to see people get help through voluntary means. I want to be able to contribute my hard-earned money to organizations that I think are worthwhile. I want to give of my own volition well, I mean, to uh, to various different charities to help people out on my own uh, well, choosing. All and all and the social programs you're talking about are governmental programs that force me into providing for them, even if I disagree with what their goals are or I disagree with uh, with the way they're doing their business. I'm forced to, to, uh, to pay for those things. So I don't think that the libertarian position is to eliminate social programs. I think the position is to transition from a coercively funded apparatus to one that is uh, voluntarily or consensually funded. Does well, that make sense? Well, the, the, the real coercion here is, is being enforced by uh, the, uh, the, the austerity policies of Wall Street, uh, uh, Chase Manhattan Bank, the Democrats and the Republicans, who are going to slash these now mercilessly. Uh, they originally were granted. They're not socialism. They are they're uh, uh, pacifiers that were uh, to prevent socialism during the 30s when you had a radicalization of the working class, and now they're being slashed and gutted. Uh, what is at, being at slashed and gutted? Now, I'm sorry. John. I would like to see. I would like to see something that goes beyond those programs. I would like to see the workers physically uh, own and control, democratically own and control the means of production, distribution. So every American gets a vote, or like trade unions? No, I'm I'm talking about one big. Union, unlike the former trade unions that just uh, bargain for small sops and increases in, in wages, which can always be taken back. I'm talking about the physical t- transfer of the Every property. American would own banks and Anheuser-Busch and all the, of these the, other... The, the, uh, the mines, mills, factories, the media, the same ones who run them every day would own them and control them rather than the tiny elite like Richard Mellon's So you're talking about stealing, Richard then? Mur- uh, Rupert Murdoch. You're talking about stealing. You're saying that the factory workers of X Factory would rise up and essentially steal their factory from the people who put the investment into the factory. See, that's turning the truth upside down because everything that has been built has been built by those workers, including But the they were compensated for that. that right. Those workers, they voluntarily built it in exchange for money or some other kind of... No, compensation. They can only sell their labor power under an unequal system where they're paid only a tiny fraction of what they produce. They, and do you have to pay basis. more than what you're worth, or it that's wouldn't be worth paying? That's the real basis of exploitation right now. Wait that's a minute, John. Exploitation, when I work for a company, I choose to work there. It's a voluntary transaction on my part. They're not holding a whip over my head and forcing me you know, to labor in their fields. I've chosen to go and work for Clear Channel Communications you've got in the a, past. You've got a, You've got a choice to uh, to work for one uh, surf master or slave master or another. Or you can open your own business. That's not you at any time they want and uh, throw well, you out into the street. What if you're that self-employed? That is not free. What if John. you're self-employed, John? Or what well, if you own your own business because you're still free to do that in America because people like you haven't sometimes. screwed it up? It depends. I mean, there's some. So there are honestly, though, Nick. I mean, there are some uh, lines of work where it's not easy to open no. up your own business because of government stepping in the way and making it difficult to it get. Be, in. I think it would be much easier for people who are dissatisfied with what they could make laboring for someone else to open a business if we didn't have so much big government around. Absolutely, well, it's the government that, and its regulations I, that prevents poor people from moving up the economic ladder of affluence and opening up their own businesses and starting their own uh, entrepreneurial opportunities. We don't have any any, any, uh, small businesses like we uh, formerly did. What are you Uh, talking about? Wait, wait, what what, what is going on in Canton, Ohio, to where you have no small businesses around? I live in Keene, New Hampshire, John. We don't have small farms. We don't have the kinds of guilds. I worked on a small farm. uh, Little businesses that we had at the time of the Founding Fathers. 
This is John, don't you live in Ohio? Wait a minute, John. You are just rambling economy. on incoherently and just making all kinds of claims that are ludicrous. Don't you live in Ohio, one of the highest concentrations of Amish people in the entire country? Uh, those folks are on their own farms, and they aren't selling out to Monsanto. I mean, they're doing their own thing, and they're relatively unmolested by the state because, well, they're just not going to go along with the, the demands of the state in that case. And I, wherever I go here in Keene, New Hampshire, all I see are local businesses. Of the family farms that we had uh, even, well, even 50 years ago, they've been wiped out by Archer Daniel Middle. Wiped out. Subsidies. Monsanto. Everybody uh, realizes this, that there are, there are some small uh, in-the-cracks room for them. But at the same time, we know the real problem is the concentration of monopoly capitalism on, on Wall Street, the military-industrial complex. Which was created by government, that, John. Right, John, the, the way you that get that concentration is when you put uh, power in concentrated hands and you allow them to wield it for their, the benefit of their buddies in industry. Thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate your uh, perspective, but it's a little confused. It's good to hear an opposing view. Yeah, that's true. 800-259-9231. Bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever is on your mind. Style in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All of the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And if you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So whatever it is that you're looking to buy, they probably sell it. They've got dozens of categories in which you can shop, and there are even uh, free Super Saver shipping deals on a whole lot of their brand new items. But if you want to save a few extra bucks, you can even go used uh, through Amazon. So please get your shopping done, whether it's for the holidays or just something that you need or want for yourself. Amazon.freetalklive likely has it. That's Amazon.freetalklive.com. Now then, uh, we just before we go on with the uh, the phone calls here, I want to comment a little further on the conversation we just had with John in Ohio, who was, as I said, a little bit on the confused side. About. I don't know if confused. I, I think misguided is how I would say it because I think he he knows what he believes. I just think it's flawed. Right. And well, the, what I wanted to talk about were the the flaws. And it reminds me of a post that I saw, and I mentioned this on the show last night, but I didn't actually get around to reading the post on the Keen Sentinels website where one of the critics of the liberty activists here in town opens up a little bit instead of just spewing hatred toward us and saying crap like leave town, get out of here, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. He actually opens up and reveals a little bit about his belief system. And so he says, for me, first and foremost, I don't like you guys and your ideas on what freedom is on a purely philosophical level. As a socialist, your libertarian ideals are almost a complete polar opposite of everything I believe as a person. Do you think City Hall really wants anything to do with us socialists? Of course not. 
If anything, they like us even less than they like you. Like the majority of Americans, they incorrectly confuse us with being communists. There are plenty of things I don't like about the status quo, but don't go thinking I won't fight the government for my beliefs. I just won't fight for yours. Your vision of a libertarian America, frankly, scares the snot out of me. Power is never created, not destroyed. It is only converted to a different form. It's quite a declarative statement there. I don't know if there's any truth to it. I don't think there... I, no. I mean, that's, that's applying an axiom of physics to uh, social interaction. I hear the yeah. same thing for everything that happens. There's an equal and opposite reaction. I'm sorry. That's a lot of motion that Newton came up with. That doesn't necessarily apply to human interaction. He says, by decreasing the power of government, all you do is wind up increasing the power of the private sector and corporate America. To me, that's even worse, he says. At least with the government, we have the power of the vote. And what I pointed out to this guy, and he hadn't responded, uh, has not responded last time I checked. Maybe he has by now, but I haven't looked in a, in a day or so. But when I wrote back to the, the dude, I pointed out, you do realize, of course, that corporations are government constructs. Corporations exist to protect people in business from liability for their actions. And they were created by governments for the purpose of shielding their buddies in the corporate realm. Well, I, I think... I largely disagree with this guy. I think um, when you get into the area of privatizing military and police, I would say that I do have concerns about leaving that up to a free market because I think if you marketize the initiation of force, the market might actually be a lot more efficient about initiating force on people. Well, wouldn't you want the marketplace to initiate force no. on the right people? Well, no, I, I'd be a lot more efficient. I didn't say they would initiate force against... You don't initiate force against people in the right way Well, because the initiation of force is wrong. Okay, initiation of force then maybe isn't the right term because if if you're dealing with somebody who's committed a crime, is it an initiation of force to pick him up well, later on down the line? The question is whether a free market justice system would limit itself simply to crimes against people and property or if you would have a situation where you started to get rules in force that didn't deal with people who had harmed somebody, allegedly. You're right, Nick. But, I mean, there's certainly the possibility that in the and, free market you could live somewhere that is more tyrannical, but it'd be by, you know, more likely a, on a consensual well, basis. I, uh, by no means am I going to make the case that um, the current justice system in the United States is without flaw, because certainly it is deeply flawed. But I, I also want to make the point that even if you do have a free market, say, police force and court system going after people for crimes against property or other other people's persons, you also run into the issue that there's not necessarily going to be those same safeguards. I mean, a corporation doesn't necessarily have an interest, or a company, whoever's in charge of the free market justice enterprise, mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily have an interest in getting the right person. If sure, it's a murderer, it sure, they want... They have you don't an, want to be well, known for getting the wrong guy. They have put an, you out of business. They have an interest for appearing to get the right people. In appearing well, to get the right people, just like uh, the police forces now have an interest in appearing well, to be doing on. a benefit. Well, yeah, okay, obviously they have an interest in getting the right person because they would uh, likely be separate from the arbitrators. You've got competing arbitrators. Well, you've got competing enforcement uh, arms. You've got competing cops, if you want to call them, that uh, protection services. And in so, theory, I mean... So if a bounty hunter goes and, uh, and arrests you, Nick, for a crime that you've allegedly committed, he better have his case together. They, they, or the insurance company that he's working for better have their case together because they're going to have to go in front of a third-party arbitrator that's going to take a look at that and say... 
yeah, okay, that's a solid case. Nick really did, uh, you know, steal those, uh, you know, that okay. uh, can, that case of beer out of the, you know, the back of the, the convenience store. Uh, but if you don't, you don't have a an, an ironclad case, then they're going to look at that uh, that bounty hunter and that insurance company and say, well, "What the hell are you thinking? This guy's innocent. Now, now you're in trouble because you you kidnapped an innocent man. Here's where I and those to... checks aren't existing okay. in the current system. But, okay, but here's where it gets murky, and here's where the free market system of checks and balances seems to fall apart for me. Let's say you have, you know, it's it's, it's this theoretical, completely voluntarious world. And this bounty hunter can choose which arbiter he wants to go to, right? Well, the insurer. Okay, <clears throat> that's a that's a good question. Let, let's say let's just say that he has a friendly ch- arbiter, and they're on the same <laughs> payroll. And he, if I make a claim that he framed me, he won't he won't go before any arbiter except the one he chooses, who's obviously going to find him. Right. Not guilty. It's a, it's a good question. What do I do? Break his knees? No, it's an important question. It's a good question. Because I would break his knees, Ian. This one took me a while to get to, to wrap my head around. I had to read The Market for Liberty at least a couple times and really think about it before I started to kind of understand this. And the idea would be that essentially you'd have to agree upon an arbitrator, right? And when you look at that, when you look at that statement, you say, well, obviously we're never going to get to agree. They've got the one they want, and I've got the one that I want. I want the one that's favorable towards me, and they want the one that's favorable towards them, right? So how do you end, how do you deal with that? Well, in that case, what you would do is, if you couldn't just come to an agreement to say, you know, if they came, if they came to you and said, all right, well, we want to use this arbitrator, and maybe you'd heard that they were good, you said, okay, that's fine, I think they're fair, we'll go with them. That would be the easiest way to deal with it. But if you've got the situation where you want one and they want another, then in that case, what would make the most sense, at least as I understand it, and I'd love to hear other people's ideas on this, but what would make the most sense is then that the two arbitrators would then select a third arbitrator to arbitrate between them. And arbitrators would have likely interlocking agreements, as uh, many insurance companies do these days, that would have uh, kind of specified that in advance. You've also got the issue of who decides whether to actually bring charges. Because currently, if if an allegation is made, then a judge will decide whether or not there's enough evidence to issue an arrest warrant. Mm -hmm. But if you are in this free market society where there are private police and security forces then it seems to me that somebody who pays one of these forces could simply make an allegation against somebody and there would be no burden of proof to issue <laughs> of course there'd be a burden of proof. some kind of arrest the burden well, of where proof does it would, come from well, the, it comes from the company's desire to have a good reputation in the marketplace for not being the company that's just all willy-nilly arresting people for crap they didn't do i mean if you're out there arresting people for things they didn't do that's going to come out in arbitration and your reputation is going to take such a big hit that nobody's going to want to hire you anymore no, insurance companies aren't it. going to want to hire a company like that to do their enforcement well, if they're Except for individuals who want to have somebody arrested. I mean, essentially, I, I understand the idea that you would be taking away you the veil of legitimacy a, yeah. uh, of the state. But I think you also run into this issue where you've lost that veil of legitimacy. So it kind of opens itself up to saying, yes, we are just men with guns, but this <laughs> person is paying us and you're not. I, I'm not saying it's a perfect system. But if you come to me and I'm running a protection agency and you come to me as a, as a client... Uh, and you say, look, this guy stole my TV. This guy over here, Joey, stole my TV set, and I can prove it to you. And you prove it to me 
then then there'd be, be be something there. Though of course one would point out that it wouldn't be necessary to arrest somebody as long as they're willing to pay the restitution and all that. Obviously we should avoid uh, force if we if we possibly can. But or let's let's make it a little bit worse. Let's say you you had your wife was stabbed or something like that. And uh, yes, my wife was stabbed. I believe it was this man. And here's the evidence that I have. I would be taking a look at that evidence and making sure that it was valid. Would how much I, would I paid you affect, I would affect how you interpreted <laughs> the evidence, Ian? 800-259-9231. I want to protect my reputation because I want to get a business from other places. Your reputation is worth something. It, my reputation is worth something. You're talking about buying my it's reputation? It's worth a finite amount. <laughs> All right, more coming up here. I want your thoughts at 800-259-9231. Maybe we'll see what Gene the Christian Anarchist has. How long can you hold your breath? (sighs) Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's happened to be on your mind. Just dial on in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We go right into your phone calls about whatever's on your mind. Gene is in Tennessee. Gene, the Christian anarchist on the amp line on Free Talk Live. Hey, Gene. Yeah, I'm surprised my cell phone has been on this long without losing the signal. I got real poor signal out here. Usually it drops. Well, that's on your Um, mind tonight, Gene. Well, that socialist guy, he had all the right facts. He just came to the wrong conclusion. Uh, You know, the, the reason that... The big businesses are getting more of the money, which is a fact, is because they're getting help from the government. If it weren't for the government, they wouldn't be gaining all that. Well, right, because only the government can forcibly uh, take money from people and give it to others, whereas otherwise, in the absence of the state, those big businesses would have to, you know, they'd have to make their own way. They'd have to sell you on on their products and services on a persuasive basis. That's right. But anyway, I called about the uh, global warming problem Hmm. that everybody is so worked up about. And I don't, of course, you know, I don't believe in global warming. I think it's a big old crock of bull, but uh, not necessarily that the planet isn't warming up, but that the planet is, that any of these temperature changes can be man-made. And I always take my own observations into effect, and then I analyze it myself rather than taking what other people say, like scientists, for instance, although I will look into what they have to say, I don't necessarily believe everything they say. Mm-hmm. I fly quite a bit, and I look. I always get a window seat, and I look out the window at 35,000 feet, and I am amazed 
at the size of this planet and the size of the atmosphere around this planet. So I looked up on Wikipedia to see how big is the atmosphere. And uh, Wikipedia is a pretty good source, I think, for a lot of things. And it turns out the atmosphere is five quintillion uh, kilograms, basically five times 10 to the 18, which is an awful big number that nobody has any clue what it is. So sure. I tried to... So I tried to reduce it a little bit to something a little more realistic. If you just take the billions, you throw away all the numbers after the billions, you still have 5 million billions of kilogram around the atmosphere. And if you compare the amount of atmosphere mass to the amount of pollution mass, you realize that we're hardly putting anything into this atmosphere. It's just a ridiculously small amount, um, and, and that's... My observation, when I'm looking out the window of the plane, I'll see a little smokestack somewhere, and they see the amount of smoke coming out of that smokestack, even in Beijing, where there's a lot of pollution. It's filthy air in Beijing. Yet that filthy air only covers a very small area around Beijing. By the time it leaves Beijing and starts to go in other areas, it gets diluted to the extent that it's really non-existent anymore. And that's just my own observation. I don't have to have the you know, fancy scientific measuring equipment to determine that. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I've got nothing to disagree with you there. Nick, your thoughts on that? I, I mean, I don't completely rule out the possibility that on the margins, uh, man-made CO2 emissions are having some effect on the Earth's climate. But personally, I don't think that we can tell at this point because the natural variations that we've seen over the last couple of thousand years are far wider than some of the doomsday scenarios that have been laid out, like a, a two-degree increase by the end of this century. Well, that wouldn't be outside the realm of pre-industrial climate swings. So it's very hard to it's very hard to say, even if we see the temperature go up another degree or two on average, whether that's man-made or whether it's not, whether it's just a natural cycle and man is having very little effect on it. Well, and another thing I saw, a YouTube uh, clip, for the deniers like myself, you know, all of us global catastrophe deniers, um, we need to be set straight. So there's a YouTube clip trying to set us all straight, and it charts out the measurement of the global temperatures from the 1800s. First of all, I don't know how they've got figures going back to the 1800s. Does somebody have a little mercury thermometer? And I, how assume, many? I mean, I assume they did, Gene. I, I assume people were taking readings on what the weather was. It Didn't was have anything else to back, do. It was important back <laughs> then, too. I mean, if you're a farmer or something like that. Yeah. Points around the globe are these places and how accurate are the measurements. But let's assume that it's all accurate. I'm, I'm yeah. not going to dispute that. Let's assume it's all accurate. It goes back to the 1800s. It shows a global warming trend starting in the 1800s. Well, the amount of carbon emissions by man in the 1800s is ridiculously small. It's just, uh, and, and yet it shows a warming trend starting in the 1800s. So obviously, whatever this is, it can't possibly be man-made. And even if it was, uh, the scientists admit that uh, water vapor is a far greater uh, uh, global warming gas than CO. Sure. Isn't this really, Gene, isn't all of this really just so these scare tactics, aren't they just really out there to scare people into accepting more government control over their lives? What they're out there to do is to raise money and steal more money from the working man through higher taxes called this cap and, cr cap and trade and try and extract more money and give it to more bankers. So we're back to this socialized 
socialist guy's argument about the bankers getting richer, and it's absolutely true, but they're doing it through things that are socialized. It's the socialized programs and the socialized assistance that they're getting from government to throw all these taxes on the people that's, that's bubbling the wealth to the top of the food chain. Thanks, Gene, for the thoughts tonight. Appreciate hearing from you, as always, at 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Steve in Canada. Steve, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Nick. Hey, how are you? Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Steve? I just wanted you you had mentioned something before, Ian, that uh, you felt that corporations were actually a construct of government, and that's basically that they derived from government somehow. People within government started corporations, and that created the influence. I I have a hard time believing that, man. Where, where have you ever have you ever gotten a corporation before? Oh, I am a corporation. I've got multiple corporations. So where'd I, you get them from? I got them. I applied for them to the to government. The government. So the that's government right. created the corporations, right? No, no, that's not necessarily true. No, the government's put it in a position where you have to apply to them to get one. It it doesn't mean that they created them. Well, I, I why would you? That well, wait, business, why would you want one? Pardon? Why would you want one? Uh, more for protection, um, liability. Who provides protection. that pr- protection? Pardon? Who provides that protection? The law. What's that mean? The government? Well, I don't know. Did the government create the law, or was the law there before the government? Well, natural law was there before the government, but That's man right. laws were there after the Cor- government. Corporate law was, I mean, corporate law, limited liability corporations that are are granted certain legal privileges. I mean, they were created by government. I mean, you had. Companies before governments were involved, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, where you would buy stock in a a certain venture and everyone would own shares, but they they weren't limited, they weren't LLCs or LLPs or anything, anything right. that was government right. so, sanctioned. So to make it clear, I'm not saying that government created business. I'm saying government created corporations in order okay. to protect I, their buddies I, in business. I, I agree with you on that completely. I mean, that's that's how the structure was set up. But I I believe that initially it was set up as a protection and as a way, kind of a big boys club or an old boys club um, where they could, you know, multiple people could go in on a venture with limited liability and protect themselves. Yeah, I think that's, that's, personally, I think that's a bad idea. I think that when you're in business, you should be liable for the decisions you make and you should be liable for the, the harm that you do. I think most honest business people... Are it's the bigger businesses that use it as a shield to protect themselves from nefarious. Well, I mean, plenty of uh, plenty of honest business people also want to use corporations as a shield because honestly, the existing uh, system is fairly litigious. Um, the existing governmental system allows people to pretty easily uh, bring litigation, even in the most frivolous of matters. So I don't blame people for getting corporations. I'm not right. I'm not saying it's necessarily inherently wrong or bad to do that, but I am saying that they are creations of the state. And that I think that uh, we'd be better off without them. I thank you for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you at 800. Yep, thank you. 800-259-9231. Of course, we'd be better off without the state uh, creating the opportunities for corporations to exist or the necessity for uh, corporations to exist in the first place by allowing silly litigation. This is Free Talk Live. More coming up. Notorious space pirate Phoebus Crumb had retired to a frontier world only to see it destroyed by raiders. 
Now, Crumb is given a new ship, a new crew, and a dangerous new mission. Infiltrate deep within enemy territory and destroy a deadly dreadnought that threatens the balance of galactic power. Follow the illustrated adventures of L. Neal Smith's Phoebus Crumb online now at BigHeadPress.com slash PK. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to bring up whatever might have to be on your mind. Just dial on in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free. So enjoy those on us. And those features include the updates. Get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something that you need to know about Free Talk Live. You can go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And have you heard of the Millionaire Patriot? Well, you should have by now. He has five days of firearms training waiting for you, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Go to frontsite.com for your training and free gun. That's frontsite.com. As we continue here, uh, Nick, you'd mentioned that you had a question for our Canadian listeners. Whether or not anyone will happen to call right now to answer, I don't know, but uh, throw it out there. Who Whether knows? anyone will care or not is another matter. But okay. I've had I, I had somebody who was uh, not originally from Ontario, but they had lived in Ontario for a number of years, tell me that they thought the uh, New Hampshire or more generally the New England accent sounded kind of like a... Uh, uh, an, uh, Newfoundland accent. I'm just wondering if anyone out there agrees. And I don't really, I don't really carry that accent when I'm on the air to any great extent. But uh, I just, I'm curious about that. I noticed some similarities. I'm wondering if anyone else noticed. Okay, that. very good. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Where can people email you if they feel like maybe emailing their answer? Nick at freetalklive.com. Okay, excellent. Very good. We uh, continue here, and you can, of course, bring up whatever might happen to be on your mind. How about a thousand dollars a day? Thousand dollars a day for grass that's too high. Palm Beach could be happening there soon. Thousand dollars a day? That's right. An overgrown lawn could cost a homeowner a thousand dollars a day. Plan to quadruple, meaning it already costs two hundred and fifty dollars for long grass. That's right. Welcome to Florida. Uh, for the first violation is scheduled to, for the first violation <laughs> scheduled for consideration at Tuesday nights. That's tonight. Town council meeting. A repeat violation by the same person would be boosted to five thousand dollars a day maximum. Oh dear, that's. I mean, that's just confiscatory. They just want to take people's houses, don't they? <laughs> yes, they really they do. do. It's that. That would be raised uh, up from their current maximum of five hundred dollars per day. If the code enforcement board finds that the violation is irreversible, the unapproved removal of a historic tree, for example, a historic tree. The violator would face a maximum fine of $15,000. Now, that's just a maximum, not apparently not per day in that case. The current maximum penalty is $5,000. That's outrageous, said Stefan Harzen, a member of the Property Owners Association for the Woodland Estates neighborhood. Increasing the fines will not result in prettier neighborhoods, he said. This is an easy way for the town to get more money. And, of course, he's absolutely right about that until they manage to drive everybody out of town, uh, to, in which case they well, won't really have anyone to extract I from mean, on a, on a second offense under these proposed guidelines here, you'd be looking at, uh, what, $35,000 if you didn't mow your lawn for a week and they considered the grass too long for that week? 
$5,000 a day times seven is $35,000 a week. Yeah, I mean... Might as well just give up your house if you let the grass go for a month too long. I guess there's what they're saying... I guess I'm a little confused. It says here that if the board finds the violations irreversible, then the violator, the violator would fax a maximum... Excuse me. Face a maximum fine of fifteen thousand. Okay, I see. So, so what that means is that if you pull a tree out, meaning you can't put the tree back, it meaning only the violation is fifteen thousand dollars maximum. But if you just let your grass grow, then it could cost you fifteen thousand. It could cost you, uh, you know, thousand dollars a day times thirty days, thirty thousand, forty thousand, fifty thousand. I mean, however many days the the grass keeps growing. It's just absurd. Uh, according to the story here at Palm Beach Post News, higher penalties are needed to deter flagrant violators, said Councilman Robert Friedman. Because, what, are people out there flagrantly violating it right now and just throwing $250 a day at the government? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I just want to let my grass grow really long. Here, have a $1,000. Uh, here, here's another 1000 What's his fascination no with keeping lawns really short? I don't even understand why people like to grow grass for lawns. It's not really worth anything. I agree with you completely. It's always been something I, I've hated ever since I started mowing this stuff it's when I was a kid. It's evident in your front yard. It's you've evident made, in my front yeah, yard. Yeah, you've made some renovations there. This, <laughs> well, I mean, not to the entire lawn, but there there's some grass that's been replaced with gravel. Yes, that is true, and uh, made parking area out of that grass area. Per- personally, I, I mean, that's more useful to me. I mean, personally, I understand that lawns are, are in some cases, aesthetically pleasing, but I'd much rather have... A garden or, or something useful. In my That's what I did. Yard. When I was in Florida, I had a yard that was just wonderful, wonderfully uh, planted with all kinds of different things. It, it didn't have a bit of grass in it. It had uh, ground and cover. And you were actually and, allowed to do that, or no one cracked down on you? Uh, or? Nobody said anything to me about it. In, no, so, in some places in this country, you can't really grow anything but grass. Right. Those are likely neighborhood associations, maybe governments too, but in, in this case, I would... Sarasota, Florida was where it was at, and uh, the, the only real issue with it was it was way more work than I'd really expected it to be. I'd never oh, really yeah. had a garden like a that garden before. A garden is a lot of work. But, hey, I, I liked it. It was very pretty. It was very nice to look at. In my opinion, it was the, you know one of the nicest yards in the, uh, the, entire, uh, the entire street because, like you say, everything else is just grass, and it's so dull and, and boring. Uh, but apparently, according to Mark, the, the whole grass obsession is kind of an indicator of wealth, I guess, that people want to show off that they... You know, they have wealth. And they can they, mow a half an acre of grass every couple of days. Right, that they can spend money on uh, keeping up this the grass. Stupidity just, is what that is. Why not just burn money in your driveway to show well? I guess that'd be a federal offense. I, I do. I mean, I, I think it's retarded. I think that uh, in, around here people clean up leaves from their property, too. Um, I guess I understand that in some cases the leaves will clog up the drains and, and that sort of thing. But, like, what's the reason for that? Oh, the, the leaves, leaves will, will decompose. They and, will. They kind of form this black, nasty puddling effect if you leave them there for a long time, too. Like puddles with a lot of dead leaves in them will create mm-hmm. this just black, almost tar-like substance. So huh. it, it can get kind of nasty. Well, I, I can sort of understand maybe raking it. I just don't understand how it becomes an obsession to the point where people want to fine their neighbors if they let their grass grow a little long. So the, I, I don't know. According to the council uh, council bureaucrat here, he says a landlord who who allows too many to live in a house, too many people to live in a house, simply sees the current fine as a cost of doing business. What that, kind that, of landlord can afford to pay two hundred and fifty dollars a day? That's the current fine for overgrown lawns in Jupiter. That's not Florida. doing. That's not business. That's I mean that's 
that's trying to make yourself go bankrupt if that's the way you want to do business. Code enforcement, he says, needs a larger hammer. Last, at least he's admitting that maybe you know, they should that's just they shoot do. people. Last year's stupid. Well, yeah, but then you won't get the the lawn mowed and they won't pay your fine. Well, I guess you can always just confiscate their property and sell it to someone else. Then. You can bet they will do that. Yeah, if the fines start to uh, amount too large, then they definitely. It sounds will do like a tax they can suit. stack up pretty quickly under this plan. Now, last year's seven year, uh, per, excuse me, seven person code enforcement division collected about thirty nine thousand dollars in fines, according to town records. The increase is being considered because once a town exceeds 50,000 people, state law says it can adopt higher penalties, according to November 9th memo from their bureaucrats. As the town populations in April was 50,275, they decided it was time to crank up the fines. Of course they did. The town code regulates items such as when garbage cans can be placed outside of the house, noise volume, parking of boats, heights of fences, the number of tenants in landscaping. Lawns cannot be higher than 8 inches in developed residential areas. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Who would support something like this outside of the code enforcement bureaucrats and the government bureaucrats? Anybody? It's Free Talk Live. Help Free Talk Live via the AMP program for just $3 per month, and you'll get access to exclusive call-in lines, a chat room, and a forum at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site totally free. Again, freetalklive.com. And those features include live streams, so you can go tune into them any old time of the day or night, 24 hours a day. You can get the latest episode of Free Talk Live uh, in archival format or live as it happens, depending on when you tune in, go to live or go to listen rather dot freetalklive dot com. That's listen dot freetalklive dot com. You can get the streams, you can get the webcam, you can get also the free talk live listen line. So any phone that can dial long distance, you can now hear free talk live anytime you want. Listen dot freetalklive dot com gets you all the details on that. Now then, gold and silver. A lot of people talking about it. Maybe it's a good time to make the purchase before things keep going higher. Of course, they could always lose value, too. You never really know. Nothing's Uh, guaranteed. Nope, there are no guarantees. But you can get your hands on gold and silver if you go through gold.freetalklive.com. There you're going to find some special deals that we've worked together with Midas Resources to put together for you uh, to offer you the uh, the Walking Liberty Half half Dollar, the British Sovereign Gold Coin, uh, the 20 franc, as well as the... Supposedly very, very lovely, and I'm going to find out soon enough because I've ordered some of them. The Lakota, the .99 fine Lakota silver round, one-ounce silver round. Looks cool. It does look cool, and I have ordered some of them at gold.freetalklive.com. There's a toll-free number there for you as well. You can uh, call them up, and you can actually put some of this stuff on layaway, so you can you can actually lock in the price and make payments on it over time. They are willing to work with you to get this uh, gold and silver into your hands. And from what I understand, I, I looked around at the Lakotas online, and this was the best price on the Internet, $22.30 for the Lakota. You can check around on the other ones as well. Uh, but head on over to gold.freetalklive.com and get yourself some gold and silver. We continue here. Uh, take your calls about whatever you want at 800-259-9231. Uh, whether you want to talk about the insanity going on in Palm Beach County, Palm Beach Post dot com reporting that now as of tonight's 
council meeting there, it could cost homeowners $1,000 a day if their grass is 8.1 inches high. Any grass that is over 8 inches tall could subject a homeowner to a $1,000 a day fine. Now, right now, it's $250 per day, which is insane. I mean, it's, it's madness. And I, I was, the way I understood it was if your grass got too long, that eventually they would send a government agent over and they would cut it for you and they'd bill you some obscene amount or something like that. But there's no way the obscene amount the government would, that would bill you. It would probably be better in a way if they yeah. charge you, if it got too long and they simply charge you a one time fee of $250 and they just cut the grass. Yeah. That would be a lot better. It'd be a lot more than two hundred fifty or a thousand dollars a day, on top. You know, one day into another into another. Before you know it, you owe them ten thousand dollars because your grass was too long for a week and a half. Yeah, and if this isn't a great example of how it is that the government just keeps on piling rules upon rules upon rules and increasing its controls over our lives, I don't know what is. I mean, wh- what happened when it went to two fifty? Where did it did it start at two fifty? I find that hard to believe. Did it start at $25 and then go to 100 and then go to 250 Or did they just all of a sudden just implement a new regulation saying $250 a day? We're serious about this grass-growing stuff. I have a feeling stuff. they probably implemented it over time incrementally. That's but, what I would think. But who knows? I mean, maybe if this was, you know, when the – maybe when this planning board, you know, the rules were introduced, people in that community were supportive of – being fined two hundred and fifty dollars. That's day just it. That's what I'm wondering long. about. I mean, what what happened when the two hundred and fifty dollar a day fine was put into put into play here? Did people show up and and like you say support this? I, I I can just I know these people exist down in Florida. I mean, that's why they have these private neighborhood associations because there are people down there that are absolutely obsessed, and I'm sure this happens across the country. They're absolutely obsessed with controlling what their neighbors do with their property. And to that end, they are they enter into private neighborhood associations, and then they have all kinds of uh, extra rules, even even worse uh, and more controlling than what the government puts on. And if that's what people want to do, then that's fine. If you want to go and live in some neighborhood where they they explain to you how, what color your house has to be, that you can only choose from you know five different shades or something like that, and that you have to have the grass of a certain length, and that you have to have the bushes no taller than X, and that you have to this and you have to that, fine. You go right ahead and do that. But please don't please don't force me as somebody who's living in an, a non-deed restricted area to go uh, to to obey your silly nonsense rules. This that's craziness. And I just I just wonder what the scene was like when the $250 fines went in there. How many people showed up to oppose that? How many people were there talking in favor of it? Not that it matters anyway, right? I mean these com- these uh, government people will do whatever they want. You could go and you can let them know how you feel, but I don't really know how effective that is at changing their minds. Maybe it, maybe it would be. I just wonder. Well, it depends. I mean, if you live in a small enough municipality, you might actually stand a shot of getting these people voted out. Uh, I'm not saying it's necessarily going to work that way, but you know, if you live in a town of a few thousand people, maybe 10 or 20,000 people, yeah, maybe if you and some like-minded residents get together and you've had enough of a certain tax or certain regulations, you might be able to get rid of them. It's not going to be easy, but there's that possibility at least on a, to do that on a local level. I think that government is a lot more responsive on the, on a very local level than it is, say, at 
a state capital it's or a true state federal government. You know, it's not a whole lot more responsive, but it, no, you know, quite it often is. it's not. But it is more responsive. You can find, you know, where those guys live. You know, if it's a small enough place, yeah, you can find out. There where is they kind live. of a clique of people who sort of run the city. I mean, sure there th- are. That's the way it is here in Keene, New Hampshire, and that's the way it is. In a lot of places, you've got city councilors who've been city councilors for the good old boys club, you know, twenty years, and yeah. a lot of the people on the on the planning board have been there just as long, and you know, they're all kind of buddies, and they yeah, uh, they all know each other, and they're not too interested in changing things. So if you're going to take one of them on, you really have to have enough people to shake things up. Uh, there's no doubt about that, and, and just just looking at this story is a really great reminder as to why. One of the many reasons to leave Florida and get to New Hampshire, because it just reminds me of what happened to me a year ago. A year ago, I think today, I got out of jail because I went there on a, a contempt of court situation. With, with It was originally based out of a couch being out in my tenant's yard. And thank goodness that there's no you know system here that would have fined me X amount of dollars a day for You were fined one that. flat fee, weren't you? That's correct. It was $120 uh when it was all said and said and done, I think is what it what it ended up being. Was that yeah, it was one hundred and twenty dollars, which I actually ended up not paying the fine on. I actually offered to um, to cut a check to the community kitchen, the local food uh, food pantry for for the homeless people, and I offered to cut a check at well, twice not the just amount. homeless, low income well, yeah, people. Anybody anybody can go in there and, and I could go in there and eat, but yeah. I don't need their free food. Exactly. Um, so I uh, I made the offer to cut them a check for I think two hundred and forty dollars because it was the holiday season. I was feeling generous, and uh, and uh, apparently the judge in the in the case uh, decided he was willing to accept it. So I never actually ended up giving the state any money, which was cool. So just another example of the big difference. There are some big differences. You you in many ways will be a more free person depending on where you're coming from. Uh, when you come here to New Hampshire, and that's one I of the mean, ways. Yeah, you won't have. To, I mean, if you're going to work for, well, whether it's yourself or somebody else, you won't have to dodge a fed, uh, state income tax or pay it. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's Not yet. no general. Well, I <laughs> I think that's a good ways off if we are going to see yeah. that. There's no general sales tax. I mean, there's taxes on some things that you buy, but the meals tax needs to go. It it does. Eight percent. Nine percent. Nine now. They raised it. Oh my it. god. That's crazy. I didn't even know bu- that. Well, there was a budget crunchy, and they also oh. tacked a, a $30 surcharge onto all the registration vehicle registrations in the state of New Hampshire this <sighs> year. Good thing I don't have one of those. Yeah, I, I, I mean, <laughs> but but, we're, but when you think about, you know, the, the battles we're fighting here, you yeah. know, there are some losses. But when you think about it, we had our meal and hotel room tax go up by one percentile instead of have an income tax, you know, 5% income tax introduced. That, that we're a long way from even fighting that battle in this state, I think, whereas people in many states in this country... It's already are, lost. They're, yeah, they've already lost the income tax fight and the right. sales tax fight. Now they're fighting $1,000 a day fines for overgrown grass in Palm Beach County. That's where they're at. We're in a better place right yep. here. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything, even in these remaining moments. There's enough time for your call if you make it right now to 1-800-259-9231. 
That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it is Ian here with you. And Nick. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features on our site, and we give them away to you. So enjoy those. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, we need your votes, and we need them at the Podcast Awards. It's a once-a-year thing that happens uh, for us, and we luckily, thanks to our listeners who nominated us, have been nominated again for the fifth time in the Best political category and by the way we've won the last four so winning this year will make us the only podcast ever to have won five podcast awards in a row and you can help make that happen for us by going and voting for free talk live in the political category at podcastawards.com you will need your email address uh, in order to vote that's likely they will send you a verification email just to make sure you're not a robot but go ahead and scroll down the page. You'll find Free Talk Live in the political category. It's the third one from the bottom on the right side. Select Free Talk Live. Scroll down a little further, and you'll find that they're asking you a few more questions. You just need to fill those out and submit your ballot. Now, if you've already voted once, you can vote again. Podcast Awards works in, the, in a way that allows you to vote once a day. So you can vote once a day between now and November 30th. So we've got a little under two weeks remaining in the podcast awards. Free Talk Live is up against some pretty heavy competition. Uh, Bill Maher's in there, Rush Limbaugh's in there, and some other uh, some other people as well. But we've never been up against El Rushbo before, and this could be the most difficult year for us. So we really need you to go to podcastawards.com and vote for Free Talk Live. It makes a big difference for us. Uh, it's important for Mark. I know he's not here right now, but I'm sure he would tell you that it, it makes a big difference for him when he's reaching out to potential advertisers to say, hey, we're an award-winning podcast. We've won X amount of uh, of podcast awards. We've been the only one to win every single year in a row, and so we don't want to break that streak. So please help us out at podcastawards.com. As we continue here, uh, a, little bit of, a little bit of good news. It's a story from the Associated Press. When Barack Obama signed a law expanding children's health insurance this spring, he slapped tobacco companies with huge tax increases to pay for it. In fact, the taxes went up so much that... Mark uh, decided to quit smoking cigars as a result of it, simply because he didn't feel good anymore about sending even more of his money uh, to the federal government to support his habit when they take that money and they do awful, tyrannical things with it. Now, it didn't take long for the companies to find a multi-million dollar loophole. As soon as the new law took effect, raising taxes on roll-your-own cigarettes from $1.10 to $24.78 per pound, that's a big jump, companies adapted They all but shut down their roll-your-own brands and reinvented them under a less restricted, less taxed category, pipe tobacco. It's still destined to be rolled and smoked, but it's taxed at barely tenth the rate, $2.83 per pound instead of $24.78. Now, pipe tobacco is normally too coarse and moist to be rolled into a cigarette, but nothing says that it has to be. In fact, the Obama administration says the only distinction between pipe tobacco and roll-your-own tobacco is how it's labeled, effectively giving tobacco marketing executives an opportunity to shape their own tax rate. Nearly overnight, roll-your-own brands like Criss Cross and Farmer's Gold came off the shelves, replaced by pipe tobacco with the same names. (laughs) The cuts may be slightly different, but they're suitable for rolling. Knowing this, retailers steer customers to the new products, sometimes with a wink and a nod, sometimes with outright advertising. Scott Bennett, owner of Habana Premium Cigar Shop in Albany, New York, says they tried to make a product within the elements of the law that they could, in fact, market as pipe tobacco. 
He says that he advertises the new pipe tobacco for hand-rolled cigarettes. Tobacco companies say they're just trying to find a legal way to stay afloat after being saddled with an enormous tax increase. But both the Obama administration and some in Congress say they'll try to come up with a distinction between the tobacco types closing a loophole that could cost taxpayers hundreds of millions of dollars per year. According to one of It the... wouldn't cost the taxpayers that. It would cost the government that. Yeah. <laughs> the ta- you see, that? I mean, the taxpayers really aren't entitled to that money, but the government feels that it is. Right. Whenever you uh, use a loophole, you're stealing from the government is the perspective you're stealing, of the government well, stealing from, See, they say stealing from the taxpayers because right. if you say you're stealing from the government, then a lot of people go... Well, yeah, stick it to you them. know, it's yeah, yeah, it's, it's the government. I mean, they steal from us. We'll steal back from them. But if you say that you're stealing from the taxpayers, then it kind of gives people that, hey, you're stealing feeling. from me. That's not fair. You, yeah. you need to pay your fair share, you tobacco rolling smokers. And so I according think smokers have paid more than their fair share, to be quite honest. Listen to this little quote here from the senator of uh, one of the senators in New York. If the tobacco companies won't do what is right, then we will. Well, what's right there, Frank? Obeying every single law without question? Not even reading the actual laws? I mean, because what he's suggesting here is that it's it's right to just go ahead and pay. You need to just keep marketing those same brands and paying the, the amount that we're demanding for, uh, for roll-your-own tobacco. Wouldn't they normally say that following the law is the right thing to do? These people are just following the law. I mean, that's what business owners in America are great at. They're great at finding loopholes in the existing system so they can pat themselves on the back and say, I'm still a law-abiding citizen. See, I'm just selling pipe tobacco well, now. I, I, I think as tobacco taxes continue to go up, we'll probably see a lot more black market cigarettes in this country. I mean, Absolutely. now that flavored cigarettes are illegal in the United States, except for menthols, I, I, I'm sure there are already people smuggling them in from Mexico and Canada. Well, I can tell you that here in Keene, there are people selling hand-rolled cigarettes. There, there are people on the street. Now, they're probably buying their rolling tobacco still through legitimate or through legal channels. But nonetheless, they're rolling cigarettes and selling them on the streets. I don't know how legal that is. Oh, it's very illegal, I believe. Is I, it? If you're selling tobacco, I mean, there's tax stamps that the state of New Hampshire expects you to pay on that. On a and, cigarette. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you sell a pack of cigarettes in a store, it it has a tax stamp on the bottom of it to to say that those taxes have been paid. So so you can buy, you you, can you buy can tobacco, buy tobacco and to roll, roll your own cigarette. For you, but if you sell your rolled cigarettes, I'm it's not, illegal? I'm not an expert in the law, but that would be my guess. I mean, otherwise, I think more people would have done it by now. Because the small independent companies in roll your own mar- in the roll-your-own market are often overshadowed by the huge publicly held cigarette companies, the sudden shift toward pipe tobacco caught researchers by surprise. Daniel Morris, who tracks tobacco production data at the Oregon Department of Health, thought he had made a mistake when he saw April's figures. Pipe tobacco production had more than doubled in a single month. After years of producing about 270,000 pounds per month, companies put more than 566,000 pounds of pipe tobacco on the market in April. Now, who says that the, uh, the marketplace responds slowly to consumer demand? Morris called the Federal Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau, which collects the data, and there was no mistake. Over the next several months, the numbers climbed even higher. In August, the most recent data available, pipe tobacco reached 1.7 million pounds, enough to roll more than 42 million packs of cigarettes. The huge spike in production corresponded with a tremendous drop in the roll-your-own industry. 
Companies produced 660,000 pounds in August, down from an average of 1.5 million pounds before the tax. It really shows how the industry is able to respond to changes in the tax environment. Anti-tobacco groups say it's deception, and not just because of the taxes. While flavored cigarettes are now banned in an effort to reduce the appeal of smoking to children, no such ban applies. How many kids started with flavored cigarettes? I didn't. I know other people who smoke, and they started, a lot of them started with Marlboro Reds or something like that. I, I don't know. I, I honestly you don't know. You start with stuff you can snatch from your parents, right? The <laughs> kids, kind of I, I mean, I knew a couple of kids who I think started on things like cloves. And quite frankly, I think those people, for the most part, have quit smoking. Why? Because they're banned? Cloves are banned now? No, I just, I, I don't think they really, I'm not sure why. I think they were kind of lukewarm on the idea of smoking. That's mm. why they started smoking something that tasted like candy instead gotcha. of smoking something that tasted like a cigarette. Well, flavored cigarettes have been banned. No such ban applies to pipe tobacco, allowing companies to sell black cherry, vanilla, and other varieties. <laughs> so they can still flavor the pipe tobacco. And they can still flavor smokeless tobacco or chew, whatever you call it. I, they can still do that, apparently, and they flavor it, you know, peach and, and all kinds of other flavors, which, to some extent, I mean, I think that does appeal to young people in some cases, but... I know it appeals to a lot of adults, too, so I'm not sure that that's really targeted at kids. Matthew Myers, the president of the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, says this was a direct challenge to the federal government. Really? Using Uh, their own laws is now a direct challenge? Refusing to pay the taxes, period, would be a direct challenge. Yeah, that that would be that would be brilliant. I would love it if somebody would do that. Uh, but applying the existing tax code and simply following the existing tax right. law is not a direct challenge to the federal government. But that's where we are today, Nick. That's where this mentality, that's where this pr- government uh, loving mentality has gotten people in this country to where following the rules, following their laws is now considered a direct challenge if you aren't following them in the way that they intended for you to follow them. <laughs> It's just total obedience. Yeah, it's pretty much. All right, we're out of time. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Thank you, Nick. If you're paying more than $14.95 per month for DSL, you are paying way too much. It's time to make the switch to DSL Extreme, the nation's number one internet service provider. DSL Extreme is fast. And at $14.95 per month, it's cheaper than dial-up. Plus, you get free spam protection, a free modem, and 24-hour-a-day free local tech support with no setup fees. Service restrictions apply. Call 1-866-2-GET-NET. That's 1-866-2-GET-NET. Or go to DSLExtreme.com.